Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 911. Stick with what you know. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Adam Langsbard. Hey, Adam, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm about as ready as I'm ever going to (laughs) be. Okay, great. Adam Langsbard is the CEO, the new CEO of America's Automotive Trust at LeMay, America's Automotive Museum, located in Tacoma, Washington, just about 15 minutes from my house. He recently joined after a long and successful career at the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, that fine establishment, as their chief marketing officer. His career as a marketer and fundraiser for the Peterson was successful and impressive, and after learning that the world's largest car collection was looking for a new CEO at Adam jumped at the chance to become the lead driver at this impressive organization. It is a legacy to the late Harold LeMay and his wife, Nancy LeMay, who built an incredible collection. The museum opened in 2012 with David Madeira, who's a past guest here at the helm, leading a dedicated team who cares for the collection. And today, Adam gets to carry on the legacy and take the museum into the future, ensuring long-term success for the trust and for its members. So, Adam, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you and your past. Could you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for being around a wonderful collection of automobiles? Sure. But funnily enough, I I didn't start off in this very obvious direction. I spent 20 years in the movie industry, as a matter of fact, as a marketer working primarily on on the business side of things. I launched the DVD format as an example. Uh, I worked in home entertainment back when there was a thing called VHS, (laughs) which half this audience may not remember, and a whole host of other things. And I I spent 20 years in uh, working for the studio system, and I I got out on good behavior. And I, uh, I decided that if I was ever going to try and create a point of differentiation in my career, I better not wait too long because as many of us know, the older you get, the tougher it becomes. And to that regard, there was a a moment where the timing seemed right to make an exit from the movie industry into, into something else. And I sort of keyed back way, way back when my dad used to take my brother and I to the LA Auto Show, not because he was a car guy, for any particular reason, but because back then the car companies used to make printed brochures and my brother and I would collect bagfuls of them <laughs> and we would go home and we'd cut out the images of our favorite cars and for a couple of days we would, with a glue stick, we would put together this huge collage and it would hang on the wall until it eventually would fall off. <laughs> but that was sort of the the beginning, if you will, and that sort of desire to be next to or in that industry has always been within me. And so there was this opportunity to move from the movie studios over to the Peterson. And and that's when that happened. What a journey. Well, I was having a little bit of fun with Adam in our pre-show check because I moved up here to the Pacific Northwest from Southern California where he grew up and I grew up down there 24 years ago at how I had to get used to the rain. And it's been rather rainy here the last few days. And he's only been here a few weeks and he's ready to go back to L.A. and enjoy a, a sunshine. I told him he'd get used to it. It doesn't melt the car. So everything will be fine, Adam. Just call 
anytime you need some support. As long as it doesn't melt me. Uh, Well, I promise it won't do that either. As we continue on your life's journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's some kind of saying that has meaning for you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Adam, take the wheel. You know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. So, my oldest friend, and I don't mean oldest in terms of how long I've known him. He is my oldest friend in terms of age. He's my 90-year-old friend, Eddie. And I visit with Eddie every once in a while and confide in him. He's always curious about my life's journeys and everything else. And Eddie always had a very good, a very, a very poignant position in terms of how he liked to look at life and looking back at his own life. He said, stick with what you know. And that's the mantra that I try to, <laughs> I try to emulate, <laughs> yeah. especially as I look at my career, because as long as I've stuck with what I know, I've been successful. I haven't tried too many things out of the box, but I should say that when I have really focused efforts on the things that I know and do best, that's when my best successes emerge. So I would say, stick with what you know. Eddie is a wise man for sure, and it's always great to have a mentor in your life, and especially somebody who's been around for a long, long time, because they've seen an awful lot of things and learned an awful lot of things that they can hand down to you. Exactly. You don't have to relearn those tough lessons, so thank you, Eddie. Shout out to him. Very nice. Well, let's go back in time. You talked a little bit about your dad growing up in L.A., which is, of course, car culture for sure down there, taking you to the car shows, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car guy? Ah, uh, it's a good question. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I've I've always had an affinity for Porsche, and I don't know exactly where to to trace that or what to trace that back to. You know, I I grew up in the '80s, so movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Risky Business, and so on and so forth. You know, those were movies that made characters out of cars. Ghostbusters is another example. Of course, Back to the Future. Cars really were characters in those tentpoles of of cinematic history back in the 80s. So I think to some degree, everybody had that exposure, of course, back then, but perhaps it just keyed into me a little bit differently. And I was able to sort of recognize and appreciate those automobiles as really as living and breathing. And that's what I find interesting about automotive today. Well, a little serendipity here because you're my 911th guest. I'm a huge Porsche fan, as my listeners know. I love Porsche 911s. So there you go. It's a perfect fit. So it is. <laughs> it is for sure. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. And of course, these things that happen in our lives, our careers, they teach us invaluable lessons. So take us to a moment in time where you had a big challenge or even a big failure you face and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career. Well, certainly I, I would like to think that probably the, one of the largest challenges that I've had to rise to the occasion is the construction of the Peterson Museum. As our listeners may or may not know, Peterson Museum has been around for uh, 23 years or so, but prior to its reconstruction, it was really sort of dying on the vine. And attendance was very low and was in a converted department store. And that building hadn't been touched in God knows how many decades. And basically, it was cars parked, you know, in a department store on department store carpeting, 
under department store lighting. And it was not a real fair representation of quote-unquote museum, nor did it do the, uh, the impressive Peterson collection any justice. And so tearing down and reconstructing this museum over the course of 14 months was a tremendous task. There were not a ton of people working on it. Now, I don't mean that in terms of people who are actually doing physical construction. There were a lot of guys working on the construction of the building itself. But in terms of the people who were visionary or the people who were touching the strategies, the moment-to-moment strategies, there weren't that many people. And I would like to think that, as you pointed out in the beginning, a a lot of the partnerships and fundraising and and things that I put together for that museum, they were a function of being in in a real moment of uncertainty because nobody had a crystal ball. Nobody knew that if you invested $90 million into a building that you were certainly going to have a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. And really, it was a a gigantic leap of faith. And I think one of the things that really impressed uh, a lot of folks, especially in automotive, was the extent to which a non-OE, non-car company, Mm -hmm. would take such a leap of faith in embracing the industry. And to that degree, I, I think the Peterson has been very successful. Um, and it's, it's those kinds of, let's circle back now to stick with what you know, yes, <laughs> and do yes. what you do best, yeah. is how do I bring that, that sort of thing here to the trust and take a look at what we have to work with at the LeMay. Now, obviously, the LeMay is light years beyond where the Peterson was five years ago and not doing well. The LeMay is a fantastic organization. It is in a brand new building. Well, not really brand new. It's, it's about five years old itself. But it's far from the, um, from the struggling entity that the Peterson was some time ago. But I think there's a lot of fun things that we can, we can do with this organization. And I, I really do look forward to it. Well, what you and your team did down there at the Peterson was talk about pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Oh my gosh. What it ended up being is absolutely phenomenal because I remember the old days of the Peterson. And if any of my listeners have not been there, if you're ever in Los Angeles in the area, take a day to go over there because from the minute you drive up to it to the minute you walk through the floors, I was going to say showroom floors because it feels like that, but the museum and leave, you're going to be absolutely uh, blown away. And I've had... Many people from the Peterson on the show, Terry Cargus has been on the show, and Bruce Meyer, Barry McGuire, Leslie Kendall. I mean, all of the teammates that you worked with up there, you're now a Cars yeah alumni with, which is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. kudos to you and all the folks that were involved in that uh, rebirth of that museum, because it's absolutely phenomenal. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a, a career aha moment. Now, you kind of touched on one when you left the movie industry and did something completely different. Was that your big aha moment, or is there something else you'd like to share? Huh, that's a good question. You know, I, I'd like to think that my aha moment, it really has taken some time to shape. And of course, we can go back to one key moment in time when a certain thing happened that was the trigger. But I'll tell you that I came into fatherhood about eight years ago. 
And of course, whenever a family has a new addition like that, the world is completely upended and you're just absolutely upside down with trying to figure out life and how to stay afloat and wondering how you're going to stay awake and <laughs> keep money coming in the front door yeah. and satisfy everybody who need, who has all of these needs. And, you know, most of us in that position are the, we are the, the providers for the family or at least part of the, the providing uh, combination. Yep. Well, let's fast forward now to my seven or eight years later as a father. And I think the aha moment is really in finding meaning in what you do. And that's important because I think as we get older, we don't want to feel like we're doing something just to pay the bills. And I'm in the very lucky position that the things that I do, whether they're at the Peterson or whether they're here now at, uh, at the trust, they can be, should be, will be impactful to, uh, to others. And I think that's sort of the aha moment that not only do I have that ability, but I really also have that responsibility because there are busloads and busloads and busloads of children that come through the LeMay every year. I think we're going to be looking at, at busing in somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five to 7,000 children this year. Wow. And I want our organization to be fun. I want it to be educational. I want kids to go back home and talk about what they did, how they did, why they did, and want to come back. And I sort of have the, the ability to influence that now. And I have the ability to bring other partners in that will help me further that cause. And that's the thing that really helps me put my two feet on the ground every morning is knowing that I can, I can have an impact. Yes, absolutely. Well, parenthood does give you a bit of a paradigm shift. That's for sure. It, it, it absolutely does. Yeah. I raised two great children. They're now adults and off and working on their own. But uh, yes, it's a game changer for sure in so many ways. Well, this kind of leads into maybe the next question here, and that is a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many of them, but is there one that stands out you'd like to share? Oh, wow. Yeah, there have there have been some, some great moments. Oh, boy. You get a little spoiled in, in the movie industry. Um, I, I know that most of the country would absolutely love to be in the presence of a Hollywood star. And I think when, you, when you're working at the movie studios, you get a little jaded. You, you see Bruce Willis walking down the street or you see Leonardo DiCaprio or whoever it is. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's them. A little shorter than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, general, the general thought. And I've had some fun... Oddly enough, probably most of my interaction with celebrities has been at the Peterson, oh. which is really funny. Yeah. Because while I've seen many of these people, you know, um, when you're working at the movie studios, you don't stop them and talk to them. They're there to work. I'm there to work. And that's just kind of what we do. And we don't chit chat. But being the CMO at the Peterson, whenever a VIP of that nature would come in, then I would be the guy that would show them around and spend an hour or an hour and a half walking around the museum and talking cars. So it's really fun. But I think probably along those lines, one of my, my greatest moments was one day I got a phone call that Mark Hamill wanted to come into the museum hmm. and actually even do uh, do the sh his show. He has a, a, a show on, on uh, I think it's History Channel, and it's specific to collecting. And I got to be, you know, his uh, subject for the show, 
as we walked around the Peterson. Now, again, I'm talking about the fact that I really kind of grew up in the 80s, but I was so impressionable at the age of nine or 10 or whatever I was when Star Wars first came out. <laughs> yes. And so to have all of that come full circle 40 years later and walk around with Luke Skywalker <laughs> was probably one of the better moments that I have to talk about. Yes. Yeah. It certainly puts people in a different perspective when you meet celebrities and you have this idea of who they are and then you meet them and sometimes... They let you down and other times they rise up and you go, wow, he really is a cool guy, you know, or lady or whatever it might be. I don't think Mark could have been A, nicer or B, really more impressive. His off the cuff knowledge of history was absolutely astounding. As we would walk around the museum and talk about, you know, a particular car or a particular point in time when this car was prominent or whatever, he always had some kind of connection that he was able to recount from historical fact about Clark Gable or about another actor or about a moment of time in industry or the Great Depression. I mean, he just went on and on and on. And none of this was scripted. Very cool. It really, really was impressive. Well, I would expect that because he has traveled light years, so he should know a lot of things, right? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. Is there a car that you received the first time you got it that really stood out, that first special vehicle? Well, I think everybody really loves their first car. When I was 18, uh, Volkswagen had just launched their GTI. Oh, yeah. And God, I was so, so excited to get this glorified rabbit. And it was, uh, as a teenager, it was, it was a, a joy to have. I will tell you, though, that recently I acquired a 928, a Porsche 928. Oh, cool. And as a matter of fact, I have two of them now. Oh, my gosh. And I will say that these cars now are they are my babies if you will yeah i'll do respect to my children <laughs> but uh, these cars are are so much fun and i'm constantly reminded uh, you know whenever i you know take the car cover off and and take it out for a ride their shape is so timeless their personality is so timeless it's fun to see people of you know my age and or era remember them as they see the car on the road because obviously you don't see a lot of them. And that's that's a lot of fun for me. Oh, wonderful cars. Back in the 80s, I got to spend a day with none other than Vic Elfert, the famous Porsche race car driver in San Diego at the stadium there parking lot. Porsche had a thing called the, the Porsche driving experience and you could go and drive their new cars and they had all the new models and the 928 was there. And it was a car that didn't really impress me because I'm a 911 guy and it was this goofy looking thing, kind of an egg with a different motor in the front, water cooled. And it's like, nah. tell you, after getting out of that car, I was impressed. <laughs> it's a very impressive car. I think your timing's impeccable, too, because I think those cars are on the rise. I think they've kind of been neglected and forgotten for a long time, and I see market values doing well. So hang on to those. You might need one of those for a college education that's in your future here. <laughs> very, may well, very may well be the plan. They're good investments for sure. Well, how about a vehicle you've let go? Is there one you've let go that was uh, kind of brought a tear to your eye that you wish you had back? 
Yeah, funnily enough, I really enjoyed my 2008 Range Rover Sport. Mm. I just like the car. I don't think that I can pinpoint exactly why. It's as aerodynamic as a brick. Uh, <laughs> it's it's you know known to have some problems that could really cause you a lot of heartache. Eventually, on a car like that, uh, especially that age today, you're looking at the uh, the air compressor. Uh, going out on, you know, Range Rover's famous air suspension. And, you know, I don't know why I like it so much, but I see them on the road every now and then, and I kind of long to have it back. The punchline to that that story is that when I moved up here very recently up to the Pacific Northwest, I kind of had this fantasy that I was going to drive my 928 around. And it didn't take but a couple of days for a vacuum leak to arrive. And the car would stall about 45 times in a journey. Uh. And, and quickly it found its way to a mechanic where we're sitting awaiting some parts. So realizing that I'm going to need a car right away, I just jumped onto Auto Trader. And what I did was I punched in the radius so I didn't have to travel too far mm-hmm. and a very low price point because I just need something. And the thing that popped up was a 2001 Range Rover (laughs) SE that an elderly gentleman had owned for the last 15 years. Wow. Put no miles on it. The car had 55,000 miles on it from 2001. Wow. Nice. (laughs) There you go. And I bought it. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't have a ding, scratch, Everything in the car is working. He's been babying this car for its entire existence. Wow. And I'm lucky as hell. So well, there you have it. There you go. Wonderful story. I like it. <laughs> well, you'll be able to use that up here with the weather that we get up here. So uh, hang on to that. And if you need a good Porsche mechanic, I know a bunch of them up here in the Northwest. They've all been guests here on cars. Yeah. Oh, good. It's, yeah, absolutely. Call me anytime. Well, as CEO of America's... Automotive Trust at LeMay, America's Automotive Museum. What has you excited and fired up with your new role there? The neat thing about this position, and, and here's the, sort of the point of differentiation between the trust and, and Peterson, just to give it some context. At Peterson, you invest $90 million in a building and you want everybody to come. And so you want, you want Peterson to be the beacon. At the trust... There's a slightly different strategy. While the trust is responsible for the LeMay, and of course, the LeMay needs to be successful. Of course, it needs to have visitors, as many visitors as possible, partners, corporate partners, uh, individual donors, all those kinds of things help make an organization like this tick because you can't build a building like this to sell an $18 ticket and think that you're going to sustain. You need a variety of business models to kick in and they're all across the board, whether you're talking to individuals, whether it's large scale, whether it's your membership foundation, or you're talking to corporate partners, and of course the admissions desk as well. So all those things have to kick in. However, with the trust, part of what we want to accomplish is this outward-facing enthusiasm. So we don't just want to bring people here to Tacoma and visit the LeMay, but we also want to be present, furthering the, the uh, furthering automotive enthusiasm outside of Tacoma, outside of 
uh, Western United States, we're interested in being part of activities, events, education, all sorts of things globally if we can. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with, with the uh, small footprint of the United States of America for right now. <laughs> the small footprint. <laughs> right. Yeah. So as an example, in January, we're doing the third iteration of what we call the drive home. It is a multi-day event where a number of older cars will caravan on a ride that will eventually arrive at Detroit Auto Show. And again, it's the third year that we've done this kind of thing. And this is really emblematic for what we stand for, which is about remembering that we love to drive and that a very, very significant part of this country's personality, industry, and economy is based on driving. And it's a little easy to get confused these days because our smartphones and Uber apps make us forget. Mm-hmm. And it's more about convenience. And frankly, I think most people are concerned about two primary things uh, with respect to their automobiles. One, obviously, that they work, that they get them from point A to point B. And two, is their Bluetooth working? And that's about it. And after that, there really isn't much thought given to, you know, do I enjoy my car? Right. Do I take it out? Does it have an effect on people? Um, you know, to what extent can I share experiences with others and, and so forth? So we want to be part of reinvigorating that messaging. And we're going to do it outside of our own backyard here in Tacoma. We're going to do it on a national level. And that's what's really exciting about about where the trust is headed and, and what I get to do in this job. Ah, fantastic. Sounds like a great bit of fun in your future. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Adam. If you, Adam was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Oh, boy, the, the knee-jerk reaction there is the 928, I have to tell you. But I don't think so. I've had a lovely relationship with a 911 as well. (laughs) (laughs) And I still have that 911. It's convertible. It's a Cabriolet. And, and, you know, I think the thing that I'm constantly reminded of is that it's kind of a carefree car. And I speak specifically about driving experience. I don't mean in a practical sense. No, you have to take care of that car. <laughs> yes. But once it's, and, and you'll probably share in this, Mark, being a, being a 911 guy, is, is once you get behind the wheel, the world is really your oyster. And, and there's so much you can do. There's so much you can experience. And, and I mean carefree to that regard. And I think it's a very opportunistic vehicle. You have the ability to carve a lot of pathways in, in that type of car. And I like to think of myself in that regard as well. I'm an entrepreneurial kind of guy. I seek out opportunities. I grasp them quickly, try to whittle them down, you know, to understanding their efficacies in a moment and then take advantage or or walk away. And I think that's kind of what, what you can do behind the wheel of a 911 as well. Mm -hmm. And so... And so I'm going to go with that. That's my final answer. I like it. That's a great answer. Now, what year is your uh, 911 cab? 
It's an 06997. 06. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'll just warn you, when I moved up here, I had an 84 Carrera Cabriolet. Now, it was my only car, so my daily driver, and I very quickly learned that the top on that car was not very waterproof. So I had to sell it for a coupe, which was okay. I got a a later model coupe, but um, the fact that you bought that uh, Range Rover kind of saves you from having to get rid of the cab. So you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the, the cab is parked in uh, a dry, warm Los Angeles. So uh, I, I see. I think it'll we'll save it down there. Yeah. It'll be safe down there. Those later cars are much more waterproof than the older ones like I had back in the 80s. Right. Very nice. Well, Adam, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Adam, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Kind of a lightning round here, so here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Take good care of it. <laughs> Always. Absolutely. Especially you're going to have uh, an old Range Rover, for sure. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Think twice, read it three times before you hit send. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I was just talking to somebody the other day about that. They sent something. They went, no, come back. It's too late. It's gone. Now about a resource. There are awesome resources out there these days. Is there one you'd like to share with the Cars yeah audience? I enjoy bringatrailer.com. Oh, yes. Not only is it good uh, entertainment if you're a car guy to see kind of what's out there, but if you read the threads and, and you key into what people know about cars, you can learn a lot. 
Absolutely. And everybody seems to be an expert on that site, too. I don't know why that is, but... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Randy Nonnenberg has been a guest here on Cars. You have one of the founders of Bring a Trailer, and I tease him every time I see him. Why do you do that to me every day? Ah, stop sending me all that eye candy. Right. I, can't, I can't eat it all. If I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would that person be? The answer would be Lee Iacocca. Simply said, just to key into his business mind, yeah. the outstanding maneuvers he made and rise to successes, uh, it really, would, it would be an, an extremely interesting drink. I'd sip it very slowly. That drink. <laughs> nice way to say that. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners should crack open and read? Oh, wow. You know, I don't want to be cliche about it, but certainly Tipping Point by, by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. That's probably, you know, that that's way up there. Yeah. Uh, Outliers also by the same author. Yeah. Um, I think Gladwell really keys into some very relevant points that we can bring into our business lives and our personal lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Malcolm has some awesome books. Almost all of his sit on my shelf. I've enjoyed all of them and they've been highly recommended by many, many entrepreneurs who've been here on Cars. Yeah. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources that Adam has been so kind to share on his Cars. Yeah show notes page. Just go to Cars. Yeah.com, type in Adam Langsbard, L-A-N-G-S-B-A-R-D. That page will pop up and you can find links there. I've made it really easy for you to find all of them. All right, Adam, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Doesn't matter what it costs. Doesn't matter who owns it. Doesn't matter what museum it is parked in. I'm going to park it in your garage. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? BMW 507. Oh, that was a quick answer. The car is absolutely stunning. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous car. It is sexy. It is sleek. It still has brawn in it. It's just a fabulous-looking automobile. It's we have one here at the LeMay. Uh, I walk by it at least. I try to walk by it at least once a day, and it never causes me to do anything but slow down as I do gaze at it and just. Uh, I love that car. Yeah, Gort's the designer of that car. I think when you read about him and go back and study what they were trying to do there, it's pretty phenomenal. And my understanding was they probably didn't make a dime on any of those cars when they built them back in the day. But they certainly made a statement that still stands up today. And, of course, the the Z8 that kind of was a rekindling of that design in a weird way. And if if you made me a second offer, I'd park the Z8 right next to it. <laughs> Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I wish I could it afford would. to buy you two cars, but I bought 911 guest cars here, so I'm starting to run out of money. <laughs> Things are getting a little it. tough. I think you made a great choice there. What color would you like that 507 to be? You know, silver just seems to be the way that those cars were, were meant to be. So I'll stick with that. You know what surprised me when I was at uh, Pebble Beach? They had a white one that was Elvis Presley's car. And I wouldn't have thought that car would have looked so good in white, but maybe because it was so different that it stood out, but it looked nice and white too. Well, Adam, you've taken us on a great ride today. I really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your very busy schedule as the new CEO there at the Trust to talk with us and tell us a little bit about 
some of the things that you have planned and the exciting things for the future of the LeMay America's Car Museum. And I love it because it's right down the road. So uh, I was just there this weekend. Enjoyed talking to the Cascade Austin Healy Club. Had lunch in your delicious restaurant up there overlooking all the beautiful cars. And I took a wonderful picture of a little girl in a yellow dress sitting next to that Ferrari 355 that... uh, she just wanted to go up and hug that car. So I love the fact that you're bringing kids into the museum as well. Perfect. Yeah, it was really, really a nice day I spent there since it was so rainy outside. So thank you for that. Could you offer us a little piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 507? <laughs> Beyond stick with what you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will. Bring an umbrella. Ah, yes. Welcome to the Pacific Northwest. But I'm going to give you another tip. Us Pacific Northwesterners, we don't carry umbrellas. The tourists carry the umbrellas. So I noticed that and I've been told that and I think I'm going to start a new trend. (laughs) Well, I'll give you another tip. Do not let the rain keep you from doing anything ever. I have washed many of my vehicles in the rain. We've gone to picnics in the rain. We've gone to sporting events. You just have to get out there and do it. And you will love to embrace our liquid sunshine. I promise. It may take a little time for a Los Angeles to do that, but I promise it'll happen to you. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the museum? americascarmuseum.org. You can also search for LeMay, just like it sounds, L-E-M-A-Y. And if you Google LeMay, then the museum will pop up as well. Absolutely. It's a great website. It's really fun. If you're not here in the Pacific Northwest, check it out. And if you are up here in the Pacific Northwest, you have to make time to go to Tacoma and visit America's Car Museum. It is well worth the journey. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything Adam has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Adam in the search bar. That page will pop up. Adam, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences in life with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you just down the road. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thank you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!